everybody, welcome back. I'm Jeff Cross, and we are really excited to be starting season two of your favorite podcast, Friends with Employee Benefits and HR. Really pumped up about this. So, you know, as you know, technology has taken our industry by storm lately. We talked a little bit about it last season, and here we are starting this season, and we're right back into it. And specifically, we're going to talk about, you know, we talked about telemedicine, decision support platforms, uh, artificial intelligence, and Today, we're joined by Frank Menger. Uh, Frank is founder of EBM, eBenefit Marketplace, and Frank's here to dive into another type of technology that we really haven't talked much about yet, and that is benefit administration platforms, or we'll shorten that and call it Ben Admin platforms. Make sense, Frank? Yeah. All right. So, uh, hey, man, thanks for, thanks for being here. I've been looking forward to this, actually. I know that... Uh, you're pretty active out there on, on social media. You have your own program, Five Questions with Frank. Uh, so we'll kind of give that, give that a shout out too. But take 30 seconds. Uh, let's hear about you, what your company does. EBM. Great. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, EBM is a national benefits technology provider. So think of us as an extension of a brokerage firm's team where some firms can invest in, in, in licensed technology in-house and staff for it, which is a pretty big investment. We basically are a bolt-on of that. So we have, we've invested in several different technology systems and have what we call our technology toolbox that have a bunch of other complementary products that work with the platforms. And we staff for it. Uh, our team does the build, maintenance, support, everything. And then we hold a license for the technology. So we augment that all that uh, expense that they would have to have if they wanted to invest in, in a single technology platform, but we give them options for multiple. So we have ease, we have Employee Navigator, we have Plan Source, and we have eSwift as our four core benefit technology systems. And we work with brokers, consultants, and, and insurance carriers nationally. Thanks for that, Frank. Let's dive right into this. And um, let, let's face it, if you're not on the benefits enrollment digital train today, then you're really stuck in the past as an employer, right? Because, because uh, the digital train, it's here to stay. And it's not going away. So. For those employers that that might say, that might be skeptical about uh, about technology and might say, oh, it's too expensive, expensive for us, or our employees don't like technology or things of that nature, all those kind of uh, all those kind of blockers that they might have in their minds. How do you respond to that? Well, there's a, a few different ways we see a lot of that uh, in the space. So one of the biggest things is our employees won't use it. I, I think that's a lot of times a, a cultural thing and a misconception of, of the decision maker. So sometimes the HR person will say, our employees won't use this, um, or they don't have email addresses, or they don't have smartphones. And 91% of the US owns a, uh, a mobile device and almost 80% of them are smartphones. So that's not true as far as the data that's out there, but that's usually a, a blocker that happens from the HR level kind of protecting uh, either their job role and they think that technology is going to maybe you know, take some things away from them that they're used to doing and that they're very comfortable doing their way. But a lot of the times, most groups now are coming around to the fact that technology is going to essentially put time back into your, into your day. That's, that's what the system's doing. It's going to automate and it's going to put time back into their day where they can be doing and focusing on other things. So a lot of firms nowadays are on some type of system. I would say that the number now is a lot higher. There's not a, so many firms pushing paper, especially if you look at maybe mid-market, 100, 100 to 2,500. But 
we, we are seeing a lot of some firms that are still on paper and it's either because of, like you said, some, some impediments like industry or just a demographic of their workforce. Um, as far as cost goes, there's a lot of options out there. There's a ton of options for technology and someone can start very basic with just an enrollment system for open enrollment only and get their feet wet. And then there's other systems that can go out there and can do a lot more things. And of course, as you get more features and functionality, what happens is the price goes up. So you're going to pay for the technology, but you don't have to go full blown HRIS, HCM. You can really start with just an open enrollment tool that can be very cost effective and, and kind of test the waters that way. And I think that that's an easy way to start that conversation with some of those folks that might be hesitant. Yeah. Yeah. And what about too, you could point out what's the cost of doing things through paper, the cost in terms of a couple of things. Number one, the amount of time that employees might be spending literally filling out paperwork uh, the, the, and the cost of the experience that you would give an employee, particularly a new employee, and the perception they might have of a new employer if they sit down on the first day of the job and they have six hours worth of paperwork to do. You know, there's a I would argue there's a cost to that in terms of what are they going to say out there on Indeed and in other websites where they're, I don't know, ranking or, or, or um, critiquing this employer like as a place to work. Wait a second, they're in the dark ages using paper still, right? Yeah, it, innovation is, is a key factor. I think you're, you're absolutely right there. You could walk into a, an industry or a new employer that is a, a straight up factory and people are working on you know, old school assembly line and, and you okay, well, we're pushing paper and you might say, okay, I get it. Uh, but most employers now, there's you know four or five different generations working within an organization. And my mother's almost 70 years old. She uses a smartphone. She works for a very large employer, a, a, a supermarket here in the Northeast. She enrolls on online. She loves to enroll online. She couldn't even imagine enrolling on paper. So it's not, again, it's a misconception. The device and, and people who want and have a need for technology, it's not just millennials. It's really, there's so many generations and people expect to have automation. And you said it perfectly. You, you first day on the job, you're hit with a stack of paper. You're like, oh, can you get this back to us? Uh, most people are expecting some level of automation because we live in an instant gratification society. We have stuff when we need it uh, on demand. And to go into somewhere where there's paper, it's, it's usually not the best experience for a new hire. Yeah, and so uh, could you argue to someone who's um, a little bit nervous about Ben Admin technology to say, actually, this could give you a competitive advantage, particularly if you're in an industry where where there's a lot of assumption that, oh, our, our employees don't use technology, don't want to do this, to say, you know what, we're going to be innovative and we're going to be, we're going to join the 21st century here and that that will be a differentiator for us as we recruit and retain particularly in a tight job market. Yeah, so look at where we're at right now. There's there's essentially more jobs than there are people. We're at like a, around a 3%, 3.5% unemployment rate, which is awesome. That's great. The economy is doing well. What that means for employers is that we are in a tough job market as far as keeping employees or, or actually recruiting new. So their best, ex their best shot is as retention of the employees they have. And we hear upskilling a lot. Employers are investing a lot within internally within the organization. So giving them tools to make the experience better, especially around the whole employee benefits experience is crucial because most employees, a big part of why they join an employer is, is the benefits package and some of those wellness perks and things like that, the, that go along with it. So 
to give them access to those tools in an automated fashion is an excellent way for retention, right? And, the, and sort of if one of the objections is our employees just aren't going to use it or don't want that, you know, that might be true if you're not enthusiastic about what you're presenting to your employees, right? It's, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's the way it's perceived from whoever is being dealt with. So sometimes from a C-suite level, they might say, hey, well, listen, we're going automated and kind of tell HR that this is what we're doing and HR has to roll with it no matter what. But many times it's HR that's having the conversation to say, hey, we want to automate things. And then if it's approved by C-suite, then, then it gets rolled out. What, what happens is you don't need to go, even if, let's just say we, we go back to what we talked about earlier with just an open enrollment tool. Let's just say, okay, I'm willing to roll out an open enrollment tool of many different industries. You may have different demographics. So let's just say for ease of talking, 50% of your workforce are those folks on the assembly line, but you got 50% that they're sales they're front office folks. They're on a computer all day. Well, there you go. You got 50% of your team. That's probably going to love and embrace an online system. The other 50% you can do through kiosks that you set up in the office and kind of one-on-ones and that type of stuff and roll them. And eventually you get some of that 50% that's going to embrace it and move that to 30 and 20%. So it doesn't, you don't have to expect everything to happen at once, but imagine getting 50% of your team to automate the benefits enrollment process and get rid of that paper. There's a, there's a lot to say there. You're probably being conservative too. Even when you talk about folks who don't want on a computer all day long um, on the job that, probably even more than half of those would embrace this because you know how often do you hear in an open enrollment meeting or that we hear something oh well you know i need to go discuss this with my spouse right but and so instead of bringing paperwork home and rifling through all this paperwork you know to be able to go to go on somebody's phone or laptop or whatever at home and do it at your own convenience you know even it doesn't matter what kind of work you do People want the convenience of being able to do things, including enroll in their benefits program uh, at their convenience where and when they want to do it, right? 24 7, 365. You've given the employee the ability to, yes, we have this online system. You can go home, discuss it with your spouse. We've got the tools in there, and that's a, a whole other reason why to do it but there's all these tools in there to educate the employee make it make it a more informed workforce yeah. and and yeah having the ability to sit down with their spouse and make that decision together it's it's just more added benefit for the for the organization do you have do you have any idea of like of what percent of employers in that you, if you call as you mentioned before middle market sort of 100 employees to 2500 employees what percent of those are still using some form of paper in their in their benefit administration process do you know i mean so as far as most of our business is is new business so we the folks we work with are typically winning business and leveraging technology to win new, new, new bors essentially so a lot of the business that we come on is either it's twofold one they're on paper yeah. um, which is less and less we're seeing less and less that are, are still pushing paper yeah. uh, but it's it's out there um and but a lot of them may be on something that it just isn't working out or isn't doing what they thought it'd do or they outgrew it. You know, maybe they dipped their toe in and they said, sure, we're going to do an OE tool, but now they want new hires and life events and all types of other stuff where they're like, well, now we need better technology. So most of the stuff that we do now is coming off of a platform um, or that's just not cutting it. Um, but I just got a call today, 600 life group. 
they're they're pushing paper and, and they're done. They went through open enrollment. And they don't want to push paper anymore. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine. I can't even imagine pushing paper for a six hundred life case. Right. Right. It, it seems like in that instance that the the HR team would be really uh, embracing the idea of, of going electronic with their enrollment. Process. There's one HR person and she has a generalist. So think of yeah. that. And they have to process all that paper. Yeah. And think of you, you change a care. It's okay if you got the same carriers in place because it's just okay, everything's staying the same. But if you do a carrier change, it's all paper for everyone. And yeah. it's, 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 it's a lot to, to bear for them. Yeah, I've never met an HR professional who said, "Oh yeah, we're we're our HR department's fully staffed." Yeah, <laughs> we have capacity. No worries. So, so speaking of HR professionals, so to, to help employers and specifically HR managers who do want to look for a benefits enrollment platform, who are sick of paper, who are not whatever they're using today isn't working for them, uh, and and they don't know where to start, what would step number one? Step number one, I would say when they look at this, to not do it at open enrollment. I would, I would do it in a time where you're not under pressure to make plan decisions and get your employees educated. I would say start now. Let's just say you renewed 1-1 and that's all behind you. ID cards have been sent, you know, whatever. You got ACA kind of flowing. You've got time uh, to really focus on it because we see what we call Call technology regret. We see it a lot. People will make a quick decision just to get an open enrollment tool in place and then realize that they made a bad choice because they didn't spend enough time doing the work. So do it when you have enough time is the first where you can really focus your attention on it because it's a big decision. You want to make sure that you invest in technology, you get all your data loaded in there, your plans, you get your employees trained on it, your staff trained on it, and then you're like, oh, we made a mistake. You don't want to redo that in six months. So have the time. And then the next thing is really to go into it eyes wide open. So make a list where you're at today. So if you're pushing paper, anything's going to get you to a better spot. But if you're on a system today, uh, what's working, what's not working. What we like to do is have folks really talk about what their must haves are versus what nice to haves are. So, you know, for a fact, you want a tool that's OE, new hires, life event, you need to capture ACA information. So there's some, some things are like, we absolutely need this make or break we need a system that goes here. Well, that's great. You know that. So when you start to look at systems that they can't do that, don't even consider them. With your must, with your nice to haves, there's a bunch of things in there. It's like, okay, it'd be nice to have decision support, but if we just had plan comparison tools, we'd be okay. Mm -hmm. So some of that stuff would be nice to have, but not necessarily make or break. I think formulating that before you even look at a system, that's the pre-evaluation piece is, is really important because you kind of, you have an idea of what you're looking for in a system and what you know you, you can't go without anymore. Yeah. So take the time to figure out what exactly you need versus want, right? And then and then be thoughtful about it. And I think it's a great point. There's often this misconception that if my medical plan renews on January 1, that I need to do everything on January 1. That if I'm gonna change and open enroll a, a Ben Admin platform or my technology or anything, it, well, it's got to coincide with open enrollment. And I, and I think that's great advice is to say, no, you don't really have to do that. And probably it makes more sense to take on that project outside of your, your, your open enrollment. Without a doubt. I mean, it happens anyway. We fourth quarter is always our busiest quarter. Think about their stress making decisions, last minute decisions, you know, who, who, which carrier they're going to go with um, and who's going to be competitive. And then they got to get their employees if they're changing plans to get them going and, and, and kind of get them in the mindset with the open enrollment meetings, create communication around it. So they're doing all those things. And then you put on technology. And that's why sometimes technology takes a back seat. 
and they make a poor decision based on tech because they're, they're focused on so many other things. So you get through that OE, um, you, you put tech in place, then you're, you're in a better mindset. Your plans are already there. So now it's just loading into existing plans. You're loading in the existing employees. Usually fourth quarter carriers are either stopping or have deadlines for EDI files. So there's some of the connectivity that you can't get in fourth quarter when it's April carriers aren't as busy. So now you can get those EDI files up and running and get the automation going. So there's so much, and then they can run new hires through. So now they get to use the technology. So a couple of times they're running some new hires through some, um, some life events. And then when open enrollment comes, it's like, oh, technology's working awesome. Right. And if things change, it's not such a big thing for them because they, the technology's working, employees are already using it. They know how, you know, some, some things that they've learned on, on using the technology and overall it's just a way better experience. Just for the novice, we throw around a lot of acronyms and stuff. That when, when you say EDI, uh, I know what you're talking about, but maybe not everybody does. So, so explain that. Yep. So the way we connect, so think of a platform, whatever the platform is that your employees enroll on, we call that a, a system of record. So that's where it's going to house information for enrollment purposes. So that's going to be your system of record for, for enrollment in the benefits. The carriers hold eligibility. So think of, let's just say, Aetna, for example. So you've got an enrollment system and you've got data that needs to get to Aetna. We have to pass that through an eligibility file. So an EDI is an electronic data interface or interchange, depending on who you ask. And that's how the data flows to the carrier. It's typically one way from the benefits technology to that specific carrier. Right. Electronically. But that's not the only way that that data can get to, to in this example, Aetna, right? I mean... There are other ways, like does every Ben Admin platform get that data into Aetna's system through EDI or are there other ways to do that? Uh, with medical, some carriers, there's an adoption. Uh, so Limber is coming out with a new uh, data exchange within um, their, their standards. They're trying to simplify it. But for some ancillary carriers, there's what's called an API. Uh, so application programming interface where it's, it's a little bit newer technology, uh, a little faster and do things in more real time. Not all, not every carrier can support that. Not every uh, benefits technology can support that either, but there are different ways. There's automated FTP files and batch files that can be sent. So FTP is file transfer protocol. So there's, there are different ways to do it and there's simple imports and exports that can be done too. So there's man, I guess if you look at things from a manual to you know automated to more automated, there's different steps. But I think we're going to get to a, a place where more things are, are driven around real-time exchanges between the system and the, and the providers. So, but what other types of things, what kinds of questions would an HR professional or manager need to be asking as they consider what kind of, you know, which platform to use? So, for instance, you know, are they able to, do they have that connectivity with all the different carriers? Is that a, is that a question you need to address? And so looking at group size, sometimes group size carriers have restrictions in place. So in that under a hundred market, sometimes carriers don't allow EDI files for groups that are smaller than a hundred. Right. So that might be an impediment. So looking at here's the carriers we're working with today. Can we send eligibility to them electronically? So that's just a blanket question because there's a number of ways that eligibility can be sent. So can they, can, can they accept eligibility? So looking at uh, Anthem, Cigna, those core uh, providers in medical, but then the ancillary side. So MetLife, Unum, Lincoln, all these other carriers, you got Aflac maybe. So how they accept eligibility because you need to take a look at, okay, we've got five carriers in place. 
can we achieve full automation with all five carriers? Yes, the benefits technology uh, allows EDI, the carriers will allow the EDI to the system, but then it's actually another step outside of that is just because they allowed the integration, can the benefits technology actually support the, the plans and the rate designs? Because there's very complex rating rules and, and plan designs that carriers will build out and then you can't build it on the benefits technology. So now you got a plan in place that the benefits technology can't support. Um, so there's, there's a lot that goes behind it, which is why we invest a lot of time in discovery. We do discovery with our clients to really walk them through that process because most of the times they don't know the answers. The brokers we work with don't know the answers. And a lot of times through the discovery process, they find out like, oh wow, we didn't even think of that. Like EOI, for example. EOI is usually done on paper. So evidence of insurability is EOI. So it's usually if you have a plan that's guaranteed issue and they exceed guaranteed issue, you got to get an EOI. Um, so EOI is usually manual. Well, now carriers have electronic EOI where you can do it right on the platform, but not every platform supports it. So again, those are things that most people aren't asking because they don't know, but that's why a lot of, I would tell a firm and any HR folks who are listening in to, to bring in the professionals. Don't be afraid to bring someone in who's going to help guide you through that process because there's a lot of things that you'll, you might miss trying to go on your own. Yeah, that might be the most reassuring piece of advice, right? You don't have to do this on your own. There, there are people who do this every day, all day, and, and they're the experts, and so get the help. All right, so, so now, you know, an employer, they've decided we're going to, we're going to, we're going to implement Ben Admin technology, or we're going to change the technology we have. We're going to make this change. We're going to do it. We're all in. What do they have to do to make it successful? What do they have to do to make the implementation go smoothly? Uh, so that's, I love the question because most people underestimate implementation. So I would say looking at the timeline. So having a real, you, you pick the platform. I mean, even in the discovery process of when you're evaluating vendors, I think it's an important thing to ask them what is, what is the discovery, I mean, what does the implementation process look like? So is it four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, 12? You know, what does that timeline look like from, yes, we want to go forward to, okay, we're live and we got people that are ready to go in because it's different from platform to platform. And what those, if you're working with a firm and they're like, oh, yeah, we'll have it up, you know, no big deal. And it's kind of like just word of mouth, you know, like just take our word for it, then I'd probably be a little skeptical. Like again, us, for example, when we implement a technology, we have milestones. So week one, we expect to be here. Week two, week three. So there's, we want to be doing these things over the course of several weeks. And usually there's, there's a lot of time built into an implementation for any technology system because not everyone works the same. You've got one HR team that's fully on it. They're invested and they're ready to go and they're getting you information as you need it. And then you got someone else who's got a hundred other jobs going and it takes them two weeks to get you something that should have took them one week. So yeah. That again, looking at the milestones of the implementation are important. How long is this expected to take us? Um, and whatever it is, build in extra time. And then also make sure you have that time. If you don't have the time to commit to the project, don't even start it. Because again, you, you're going to be having a technology vendor that's expecting you to get them things. If you're working with your broker or consultant, they're going to be feeding you some information that they have, but some of the stuff is still going to fall back on HR. So knowing what the roles and responsibilities are, are crucial because how much of, of their time is going to be needed for the project and make sure, yes, we have that in, in order to do it because it's garbage in, garbage out. You, you build the system, you put bad data and you're going to get bad data out and you're going to be chasing bad data for months. Right. Just take the time to get it right. Yes. Yeah. 
how many Ben Admin platforms are there? Hundreds now. I mean, Hundreds. I mean, when I got into this space, there was probably, you know, maybe a, a couple, you know, a few, few dozen maybe that were really out there on the market doing something. And now, yeah, it's, they're popping up every day. So mm -hmm. there's, that's the problem is that there's so many out there. Uh, it's, it's bad for the HR folks. It's bad for the, the brokers because there's so many different options out there. There's no way that you can actually know all of them. Mm -hmm. And then for the carriers that are out there, who do they spend the time and effort into integrating with? You know, a new startup comes on the market today, Cigna's not going to drop what they're doing to build an integration with a startup that's been on the market for three months. They're going to be integrating with someone who's been around for 15 years. Right. So it's it's very difficult to know a, a new shiny object that comes onto the scene. You know, it, it looks cool, aesthetically, great system. Um, what's under the hood and, and what their experience is in working with a lot of these different carriers that are out there on the market. So I, I guess you know, safe to say that's one of the values of working with a with an EBM, a reseller of of the platforms, because you're vetting them out, right? And you've chosen four or five platforms that that you know do it right. Is that you know, fair to say? Yeah, essentially, any client that we bring on will go through discovery, uh, and if they Sometimes we'll go through a discovery and we'll find out that they're not a fit for ease, navigator, plan source, or B-Swift. You know, they just don't, it's not going to be a good fit. Um, so from there, they can take that information and know like, okay, you're probably better off at looking at something different. And maybe they are a fit for an HCM and they have to go that route. And we do cons consult on basically any type of technology, but there's a cost associated with doing that too. So do they want to make the investment in going through that whole process of finding an HCM or, or finding HCM explain that to our list human capital management. So that would be kind of like, like a one stop all stop shop that's on the market. Some clients are a good fit for that, um, which would have payroll applicant tracking, performance management benefits, everything all in one. Soup to nuts. Yeah. yeah. And, and sometimes a client is they're better off there because they want one system. Um, I, I'm not a big proponent of everything in one system, but, Sometimes they're why, why not? Um, well, it, so data shows. Um, so there's system of record we talked about. Um, so the average system of record ten years ago was probably you know, two or three. So system of record, you had a HRIS payroll system. You know, they had an applicant tracking system. Those were systems of record. Today, the average system of record is somewhere around eleven, which means that they have an applicant tracking, a performance management. They got their HRIS. They've got their benefits technology, uh, performance review, and most employers, especially as you move up market, want the best. They're not going to settle for the all-in-one because what the problem is, is and I don't want to, I won't name names, but there's some big players in the market who say they're an all-in-one system, but they do benefits terrible. Their benefits technology model is terrible. It's not a core competency. Correct. Right. Because that's not what they want to be right. the best in. And I right. get it, but they have it on there and they're advertising it. And of course, they want to sell it and they want the stickiness for the client. But most clients are saying, listen, we're going to use this core system as like our home. Uh, that's the base, but we're going to pick and choose what we want to put on there. We want the best in benefits. We want the best performance review. So as they do that, they're using, they're increasing their systems of record by putting on different systems that are best for them. So they're going to market and evaluating. I want the best applicant tracking. I want the best benefits technology. I want the best performance review. And they're, they're bolting them onto systems. And we're seeing more and more of these larger legacy systems, SAP, Workday, that are saying, okay, we're, we're willing to play 
with other systems. ADP now has a marketplace. You can go to ADP's marketplace and basically integrate with anyone. Right. So you, you could go, so you could do this sort of unbundled best in class for, for each functionality, but, but still avoid sort of redundancy of work or data entry, or, right? Because these systems will integrate with one another and communicate with one another if you vetted them out properly. Am I, hear, am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, so think about... Because I don't want to scare, you know, anyone away from thinking that, oh, I have to be integrated because I don't want to have to be putting information in on every employee into five different places. Think of our smartphone. So we have, I have a, an Android device. I have a Samsung Galaxy S10 that runs on Android. So you have an iPhone that runs on iOS, uh, Apple iOS. So you're not going to, you have apps. So you download your apps. You want to um, email app, you can download Outlook or you can use Gmail or whatever it is. So you have these apps you put on your phone. If you don't like Outlook on your phone and you want to use a third party, you're not going to throw your phone away. You're going to use the core system. So you've got your phone and you've got the system running Android. You can pick and choose what apps you want. So think of that as a, someone who has Workday. We've got Workday. We love Workday. It's our core system. We're not going to get rid of it. It costs us a ton of money to implement. We're fully in, in there. But they want to put on a different um, performance management system. They don't want to use Workdays. So now they can pick and choose. So it's like you know this app ecosystem that they have to say, okay, we want this, we want this, and they choose the best. And those systems, Workday will integrate with them. ADP's marketplace is full of systems that they said we can integrate with them so now the work is done it's not a question of when it so you put someone in adp the data flows into yeah. your benefits technology for example and and there's no duplicate entry and so sing, single sign-on yep most systems will because i can't sign -on. remember my passwords right? there's so many damn passwords i have to remember and then i write them down which defeats the whole purpose <laughs> of having a password yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so it does single sign-on is extremely important yes but but the, it'll, the, the duplicate entry is what most, why people want to choose the all-in-one and then they get on the all-in-one and they're like, oh, I got, uh, this, this isn't doing what I thought it would do. And that's very typical. So that's why you don't need to settle um, for the all-in-one. Yeah. How'd you get into this business? How did you decide on, on Ben Admin as in technology as your, uh, your career? Um, so my background's IT. Um, I have a degree in computer science and uh, love technology and since you know forever i like to i call myself a tinker i like to take things apart and put them back together no matter microwaves toasters you name it mm -hmm. and uh, so i've always loved technology and uh, i owned an it company for several years um, and loved that embraced it but was very familiar with hardware uh, enterprise level technology and my father-in-law uh, has built <clears throat> he's retired now built a business uh, in the insurance space. He had 40 years, very successful um, firm. And I'm just always around insurance and hearing about things. And I don't know, 2010, around 2011, Obamacare came out, uh, Affordable Care Act. This is when private exchanges started to be a buzz. So I figured, hey, why not start a private exchange? You know, how hard can insurance be? I know tech. How hard can insurance be? And, and I was really wrong. Yeah, insurance, easy, yeah. is, <laughs> insurance is, I, I give it to consultants we work with. There's a lot that goes into it. So, um, so insurance was not easy um, and private exchanges didn't last, um, but that's okay. I made a pivot and, and just a benefits technology. Back to the number of Ben Advent platforms, you know, there, there's hundreds of them. They're not all created equal. 
So, uh, so some of them have decision support, some of them don't, and, and, et cetera. But talk, you've mentioned decision support a couple of times. Like what, for those who don't, aren't familiar with what that means, just take two minutes and explain it for people. I think I'm a huge proponent of decision support because think of the experience employees, average employee spends about 18 minutes going through the open enrollment process and making their decisions. So that's, to me, very scary. Um, because if the work isn't done beforehand or during the enrollment, or they're, they're making decisions based usually on price. So you're afraid they're not being thoughtful enough about the, the plan they're enrolling in? Absolutely not. They're and picking, then they have to live with it for the next 12 months. Yeah, that's what happens. So the, you go in, you pick a plan, you see a high deductible, $5,000 you know, $5, deductible plan. You're like, ah, it's 26 bucks per pay period. I'm going to go with it. Right. You, pay, you pick up something based off price because people are price conscious and most people are living paycheck to paycheck. So they go, they pick this plan. And then they go to use it and then they, and they, they're like, Oh yeah, well you have, it's, it's $2,500 out of pocket. You haven't reached your deductible yet. And they're like, what? And they go to HR and they say, this plan's terrible. Why, why did I have this plan? They, you know, now they're blaming HR because they were uninformed about the plan. And it's not HR's fault, but employees are typically either go two ways. They underinsure themselves or the employer puts a plan in place and they're overinsuring their workforce. So think of decision support. If you have, most groups now have at least two plans in place. Some of them have three or four, or especially our clients, we see more and more. Employees will go through an enrollment. Decision support will help them pick a plan that's gonna be best for them. So think of it like an interview, like right now, I'm like, hey, you're going to the doctor, you're planning on any surgeries, you know, are they inpatient, outpatient, you got any prescriptions, uh, you're planning on having a baby, you, do you see any specialists? So we ask, the, the decision support will ask the employee the questions, and based on their answers, will basically narrow down plans that are available to them. And then we'll look at things like co-pays, deductibles, co-insurance, in-network costs, out-of-network costs, all these things based on their actual plan information. And it's, it's basically AI, it's AI artificial intelligence driven. It's gonna make these decisions, help the employee make the decision and say, okay, based on what you said, me, so look at me, I'm 42 years old and I go to the doctor once a year. I, I high deductible plan is a perfect plan for me. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm not even gonna use it unless something happens to me. I'm gonna take the risk and I, I could go with a high deductible. And you squirrel away some money into your HSA. Exactly. And, you and I'm not I'm not wasting money. But then somebody else who is gonna have a baby um, or yes, I am gonna have that knee surgery that I needed. Well, then you're probably a better fit for a different plan. So the decision support tools to say, hey, based on what you've told us. You're good for the high deductible. You're good for the PPO. You're yeah. good for the HMO. And it, it's not going to make the decision for the employee, but it's going to make them a more informed employee. It's, it's an AI personal insurance advisor almost. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. It'll, it'll, it does. It empowers the employee to be better informed about it. Most employees have no idea that you can take an HSA and stockpile, like you said, stockpile that money. Yeah. Most employees don't even know that you can do that. Right. Uh, and most employers aren't educating their employees about HSA. So in the, the system could be the decision support based around the education of an HSA. Yeah. And yeah. most employers are trying to drive participation in the high deductibles and HSAs because again, most employees are overinsured. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, it's, so, so it really helps. I mean, I, when I do in-person enrollment meetings, I was, you know, you can do some math here and there's a, this is a three part equation. It's you got to figure out how much is it going to cost you to be in that plan? What's your premium contribution? What's your expected out of pocket exposure? Uh, when, you, when you go get care and is your employer funding if there's an HSA available is your employer funding that at all and you have to consider all three of those things but that can be that could be a little overwhelming for people it's probably helpful to have AI do the math for them which essentially is what's happening there right 
it's, it's showing them, you broke it down perfectly. It's showing them hard dollar costs. So right. this is what's coming out of your paycheck. Yeah. No doubt you pick this plan, it's $31 a pay period, whatever it is. So they know that, okay, yeah. here's what I'm on the hook for. If you do have that outpatient surgery, outpatient surgery, if you're on that prescription drug benefit and you use your prescription, you know, once a month, whatever it is, here's what your estimated out-of-pocket expenses are going to be. So here's what you can expect to be above and beyond what you're already pulling from your paycheck. Yeah. So like you said, and then if you got the HSA, the employer's giving you 500 bucks towards your HSA. So let's take out-of-pocket, deduct the 500 bucks that your employer's giving you. Now you're on the hook for whatever's left over. Right. So it really helps the employee paint a better picture of, I need money. I can expect to need this much money over the course of the next 12 months. Yep. Yep. It's an expensive decision support. Now, I mean, so like B-Swift, for example, has a built-in decision support tool called Ask Emma. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's extremely cost-effective for the work that it does, okay. uh, especially how it drives employees, those employees into a high deductible plan and educates in the HSA, the employer's saving money. So Emma would, would end up being cost-neutral for what it costs to use it. Yeah. But ultimately, it's 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 making a recommendation that best suits the individual, the employee. Exactly. Yes. So, what kind of trends are you seeing, Frank, in the in the benefit technology space right now? And then, and then, where do you see it going? You know, this might be a, an impossible question to answer, but you know, five, ten years down the road. Um, well, I have a. I mean, I'll throw it out there since you asked, but I, I do have a. A, a kind of like Frank Manger prediction uh, for the industry. I feel like a lot of, uh, again, a lot of folks are not involved in the technology discussion. So insurance brokers in particular are not having technology discussions with their clients and they're letting, they're leaving it up to their client, um, which always isn't the best because the HR folks are looking to the insurance consultant now for more and more, yeah. all these different silos and the insurance consultant that can say, we can do these things for you or we have resources for you are going to be the ones that end up winning in the long run because HR is going to say, Hey, I can go to this consultant and they have the answer for me. Yeah. Um, the ones that aren't doing that leveraging technology are putting themselves at a disadvantage um, because you need to have those conversations around technology. I, I, the automation is not going to go away. People are going to get more and more systems in place. I think we're going to have more and more options for technology. Uh, so the market's going to get a little bit more crowded. Um, but I think that more and more systems that like, like the ADPs of the world that are willing to integrate with more and more systems, it's going to be that app, app ecosystem where we have the flexibility. So HR is going to have more options. And, and, and that over the next, I would say, even next five years, we're going to see more of that. And and vendors that don't wish to integrate uh, with other uh, systems uh, are going to start to lose. Yeah. From an employer's perspective, they're they're going to they are going to continue to demand uh, the flex of the, those vendors who are flexible and willing to play nice and integrate with one another, because nobody likes to feel like they're being hand tied in any way. Yeah, exactly. The, the the whole thing about being. You know, hand tied, I, I say, you know, handcuffed, whatever it is, but you got the ball and chain with this one vendor. And if they're doing payroll, great. They're doing um, their, the, the applicant tracking, whatever it is, they're doing some things very well and you love them for that. But every time open enrollment comes up and the benefits experience is terrible, you're not going to want to continue to deal with that. And most employers are like, we're, we're not going to go through another year of no eligibility files in place or the plan's not being able to fit or whatever it is. So yes, they want, they don't want to have to say, I I'm stuck. 
they want to have the flexibility. Just like you don't want to be stuck to one carrier. If you don't like, if you have a carrier in place and they don't do well, next year the carrier is going to get fired and you're going to swap out with someone else. Same thing with technology. You can't be afraid. Any HR folks listening in that are having what we call technology regret and dealing with something difficult, don't be afraid to fire that vendor. You got to walk away uh, and it'll, you'll learn that it'll be, it'll be a better experience. You know, you might have to weather the storm short term, yep. but long term it's going to be way more effective. Yeah, yeah. Change can be scary, but but if you do it right, for the right reasons, you do it right, then it's, it's worth it. Anything else? What did we miss here in this conversation about Ben M and technology? Huh, I, I think just a, a lot of the, you know, the, the, before they go down that road, uh, you know, again, for any HR folks listening, before you go down that road of technology, make sure that you really are doing your homework. Don't base it on price. I would say if you're working with a consultant, don't a lot of times you're like, oh, what's it going to cost us? I would say don't worry about Create a budget. You know, definitely create a budget and say, hey, what can we afford? And that way you, ha- you know in your head you have a, a type of budget. You don't need to share that budget with the vendor. You don't need to share that budget with anyone else, but know that here's what we can improve, here's what's been approved, or here's what we can afford. Uh, because if your budget's zero, then you really, you don't have money options. But yeah. if you got a budget in there, you know you can afford different technologies, it helps with the vetting process because there are gonna be some systems out there that can just be cost prohibitive. Um, and you need to know, that's why creating that must-haves versus nice-to-haves, maybe some of those nice-haves, just you don't turn them on just yet, and down the road you can turn them on. But doing the homework and really making sure that you fully understand the system, don't just, don't just do a demo and make a decision. You know, ask the tough questions. Ask how they protect your data. Security is a huge thing. We do demos all the time. No one asks about security. How, how are you protecting our data? Yeah. There's data breaches every day. Yeah. But no one talks about security because because people don't want They want to stay away from that. Um, but HR should be asking, how, how are you protecting our employees' information? What happens in the event of a data breach? And are there third-party audits in place? Uh, so, yeah, security is just a whole other piece that no one has a conversation about. But it's it's extremely important. You're putting a lot of uh, identifiable information out on a platform that could be subject to a data breach. Yeah, that, that, that's that's a great point. And so not all not all the platforms are created equal there in terms of how they're protecting that information. Is that exactly? That's yes. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. If you're an HR professional and your broker consultant is a one digital broker consultant, we we can we can help with that that process of sort of asking those questions and finding the right fit. Um, so uh, good anything else before we do we always close with uh, with our rapid-fire questions yeah I'm ready I'm ready for them, so yeah. that we can learn more about Frank Manger let's do it all right uh, first answer that comes to mind don't think too hard about it cats or dogs dogs favorite band uh, Coldplay if you had one superpower what would it be invisibility if you weren't doing what you do now, what would you be doing? Sitting on an island with my feet in the water. And lastly, uh, one digital theme this year is to, to people. What does being bold mean to you? Just being you. I think being your authentic version. I feel like social media, I know it's not a quick answer, but social media has put us in a weird perception mode where we think we have to be something. We have to use filters on our lives and pictures and everything, or we have to put stuff out there. I think being you, I think. It's okay to be you. Shine. Whoever you are, be the best version of yourself. Frank, man, thanks a lot for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it. And to everybody listening, um, I, I do hope this was in, insightful for you. Uh, technology, it is, as we discussed, it's here to stay. And if you're not currently utilizing technology uh, and streamlining your HR and employee benefits process, then 
you're actually behind the curve right now. So, you know, reach out to one of us here at One Digital. We can help you out with that. Um, if you like this episode, please review it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. That way you're going to be the first to know when the next episode drops and you don't want to miss uh, any of our episodes. Uh, so thanks for tuning in. This has been yet another episode of Friends with Employee Benefits and...